Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Seam Podcast. And I'm sure you're wondering, where is the snazzy opening mu- music? But uh, unfortunately, uh, we've had some difficulties. So, uh, We're going analog this time. But uh, with that being said, no opening music. Uh, I am your host, Tyler Foy, and alongside me for the ride, of course, is Camilo Fonseca. And we took a little bit of a break, not because we wanted to, but because uh, one could say that we are quite bad at uh, planning. We were just watching too much baseball. Right. Um, and uh, we forgot that we had to record a podcast about baseball. Right. And, you know, when when the Red Sox are doing as well as they are, you know, I was really just attracted <laughs> to their baseball um, but a lot has happened in the league, and we're not going to sit here and uh, recap everything. Uh, but what we are going to do is give you guys the information on what is happening right now. Uh, so if you're looking for an in-depth recap, maybe you should just uh, start looking at some of the standings and see what's been going on. We'll give you some a little bit. But uh, where we want to start today's episode is really discussing something that everybody's glued to their screens about. And uh, when we're talking about watching baseball over the past month, I think this has been a topic that has been absolutely headlining every single story, really, which is the Aaron Judge quest for the American League home run record, uh, which he has already tied uh, at the time of the recording of this podcast. I, it would be a shame, but it would also be very on par for the two-scene podcast if Aaron <laughs> Judge was to hit the home run as we were editing this. But, oh, we might um, hit it, like, right now. Because they're playing Toronto right now. Yeah, and, but it was uh, the bottom of the seventh, and we wanted to make sure. I mean, if he gets another at-bat, I'd be quite surprised. But um, it's not impossible, of course, especially if the Yankees' happen. offense uh, starts rallying a little bit. But, um, yeah, Aaron Judge is, has 61 home runs most recently. Uh, beat or tied the record after having a little bit of a drought. Um, but do you want have you any opening comments on... On the Aaron Judge's performance, and well, I just think it was so amusing that Roger Maris Jr. had to go to Yankees games for like nine straight days or whatever it was, just waiting for Aaron Judge to hit a homer. And he'd been on like a a homer like every two three games pace right before that. And then as soon as Roger Maris Jr. started going, he just his bat went it, not even his bat went cold because he was hitting. He just wasn't hitting. Uh, homers so it was really really amusing to see roger maris being dragged out to watch aaron judge not hit a home run for eight straight days or whatever it was um i mean as for the record itself it's incredible obviously i'm very excited to see and obviously you know we're neither of us are big you know supporters of the new york yankees but it 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 truly is uh beyond team affiliation when stuff like history breaking things are are happening because that's what it that's what it is i mean it there's been a lot of conversation about is this the real record or should we still be looking at barry bonds is what is 75 74 home 73 73 uh it was close 73 home runs should that be the record um Regardless, what what Aaron Judge is doing is a an American League record, because McGuire, Sosa, Bonds, those were all National Leaguers. Um, but it does get into the question of these uh, stair these records that were set in the '90s um, by players who have 
a strong suspicion of having used performance enhancing drugs. Um, do those records count or is this, you know, Maris and now judge they're doing it the clean way. Is that the, the record that we should point to and say, this is the true home run record. Well, I want to stop you right there and, and go back to one thing that you mentioned uh, before the steroid conversation, which was that watching this and being fascinated by it, uh, goes beyond team affiliation, which I must say, I've absolutely hated this entire saga, and I've been dreading and dreading and dreading the day that he actually breaks the record. I couldn't care less if he made history. I actually dis- I couldn't dislike it more. I couldn't have a bigger distaste for Aaron Judge okay, breaking but, history. but the current record, again, depending on how you feel about PEDs, the current record is still in the American League held by a New York Yankee. So there's no difference that it's making to you oh it is it's making the difference that i have to watch it i didn't have to watch roger maris hit his home run yeah i i guess i don't know Um, and it brings i mean like nobody was talking about roger maris you know how long yankee fans especially if they re-sign judge which is you know a whole other conversation you know how long yankee fans are going to continuously brag about they weren't bragging about roger maris over the last uh, three decades four decades they haven't cared about that Nobody's been talking about that, but the amount I'm going to hear from Yankee fans talking about Aaron Judge's so do you, 62 home runs. Well, do you think that they have a place to brag about the 62, or do you think that the 73 bonds is the true record? Uh, easily, I think that uh, they're going to have a place to brag about this, and and that's because mostly, you know, I think it would have been really interesting to see what the reactions would have been at the time of 73 um, when you know, when Bonds hit it, if there was social media out there. Right. And I think that uh, the increase of player branding, the increase of uh, player personalities being so much more important, and really uh, fans going on to have different accounts and um, to really support their players like this uh, has is going to allow this judge home run record to have much more longevity than, uh, not maybe longevity than Bonds. Obviously, Bonds is going to be in the record books and he's going to have that position. But it's going to be talked about for a while, I think, this season. You think it's going to make more of a cultural impact than Bonds doing it? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. The home run race in general for the Bonds, Sosa, Maguire era is... Is is undoubtedly one of the biggest revives, right? People talk about sure, revival of, of baseball. baseball. So, so you no. don't think that this is on the same par as it? because this is something that's also dominated, um, not just sports news cycles, but news cycles in general. Yeah, you know, no. which is something that baseball or sports in general, sports in general, don't really do it, but especially baseball um, hasn't really done that in a while. Yeah, front cover stories for sports have been limited. Uh, in general, I mean, they happen. Obviously, they happen. I mean, especially in the summer months when there's nothing going on besides baseball. Um, but right now, Aaron Judge is making front covers when football is starting, right? Uh, he's right. making front covers when when all this is happening. And I don't know if Otani was doing that too because I wasn't paying attention to the news. Otani, cycle Otani also time. had something similar as well. Um, but this is something Otani was was talked about. But this is something that the whole nation really, I think, is following. Um, maybe they're not watching every game, but everybody knows that Aaron Judge is trying to break a home run record 
in quotes, depending on, you know, what your your thoughts on that is. Personally, yeah. I think I am, I know we talked about when we were talking about pe- putting people in the hall, I think Bond should be in the hall. I think comm- they should be commemorated for their role in baseball history. However, I also don't think that we can look at accomplishments made through the use of PEDs with extensive help from PEDs um, and put those on the same level as ones like Judge and like Maris, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, that all did this, you know, the clean way, the right way, the way the game is supposed to be played. Right. And um, anyway, we had this discussion. You guys can tune back into that episode. I don't remember which episode that was. Uh, it was a while ago. But... It was... It was uh... It might just be the Hall of Fame episode. It is the Hall of Fame episode, for sure. And and I voiced my opinions where I disagreed with that, and I said that uh, PED users shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. But uh, in the same way, in the same, in a different sense, I guess, though, it's really difficult for me because... Hmm. I'm not saying take them out of the record books, but I think it's the same thing with, you know, Armando Galarraga's perfect game. Like, in the record books, it's not a perfect game, but everybody knows that it was, right? So everybody knows that Aaron Judge, if he hits 62, will be the true home run, single-season home run. But see, a lot of people, game. I've seen at least. Well, I, I, that's what I think believe. should happen. A lot of people believe and are very for that Bonds is still the home run title, right? They are. And I, I, I don't agree with them. I, because people, what's undeniably true is that it was very fun watching Bonds play, watching Sosa play, Maguire, the Bash brothers, whatever. That was, There's a reason that that sparked an interest in baseball and like revived baseball because it was really, really fun to watch. But that doesn't make it, you know, the way, it, it isn't the, game, the way the game's supposed to be played. It yeah, was I, the 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 fact of the matter is it was cheating. It was fun to watch. It was cool. Um, I would love to have gone and see Bonds play, um, but all of that is knowing that he cheated and his accomplishments are not, or should not be, in my opinion, on the same level as those of somebody who accomplished accomplished something similar the right way. Yeah, I agree. I have to agree with that. I, and I think that you know, Judge's record would probably be the one that I would associate as right the record. Yeah. Um, once again, but I don't think, yeah, as you mentioned, shouldn't be written out of the history books. But you mentioned something really important that I think that happened with the steroid era, which was the reviving of baseball, getting people interested. A lot of people wanted to play baseball, hit tanks mm-hmm. like those steroid users. Um, and I don't think Judge is having the same impact of inspiring youth to want to go out and play baseball. But one thing that might be is people wanted to tune in because they were watching, first off, the Maguire-Sosa battle. That was like the real uh, thing that turned people on to baseball. So do you think that the Otani versus Aaron Judge conversation is doing a similar thing than that? Because I don't think Judge on his own is making anybody um, or inspiring anybody to get out and play baseball. That's a young, um, you know, young athlete trying to maybe play multiple sports or kids watching uh, TV. But I think maybe talking about Otani 
in that conversation and the way that they're on a sort of MVP race mm-hmm. um, could be doing something similar to that. Yeah, I don't know if I would say it's the same as, as the home run race. And I think it's nowhere near just because of the coverage that they right. were getting at the time. But. Right. Um, but it certainly is not a bad thing that your closest MVP race in, you know, a while um, for the American League also happens to have two of First the, off, mo- two of the most prominent players. They're not like, you know... And media and, darlings, by the and way. Me, and media darlings, exactly. Because Mike Trout, and I'm not criticizing Mike Trout at all, um, but if if this was Mike Trout uh, with somebody else uh, for the Even ALMVP, Mike Trout versus Mike Tra- Aaron Judge, I don't think would... Exactly. Well, because Mike Trout, the criticism that he gets, uh, and the reason that a lot of people don't know his name is that he's quote-unquote boring, which, you know, that's... He's not able to be um marketed marketed in the same way that shohei has been and that aaron judge have been so the fact that they are two those two are so close in the mvp battle is very fortunate for for baseball's marketability yeah and um and and i think this helps us go into you know we don't want to spend this episode discussing the MVP conversation until, you know, the season's done, mm-hmm. until the stats are final. Uh, I have my opinions on, on who I think is the, the MVP. Uh, I actually think it is, it's not clear, but to me it's clear. Um, a, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the MVP. <laughs> uh, actually, the MVP of the American League, Brett Phillips. Brett Phillips. Been DFA'd twice. <laughs> and uh, I think he's got a really good shot at it. Uh, two-way player, of course. He is a two. Um, yeah, exactly. People people don't mention this. You know, they talk about Shohei, Shohei, Shohei. There are other people doing it. Yeah, and we're about to talk about Shohei a little bit more because we, Shohei Otani recently, uh, literally the day of hours before we started this uh, podcast, uh, received a an offer for arbitration or to avoid arbitration on a one year deal, uh, as he's coming off of that initial contract that he signed with the Angels. He still has two years of control through arbitration. That's just how baseball works. Um, if you're an international player and you don't sign a longer than six year deal, you're gonna still be under control uh, by an organization. Uh, and he's. Just recently got paid. What was the contract for one year to avoid arbitration? It was uh thirty million for a one year deal, um, and this is his final year of arbitration, um, and before free agency in twenty twenty three, and I believe it is the largest arbitr single year arbitration deal, um, you know, in the history of 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 arbitration yeah and and one of the things that i think is so important uh and you brought it up immediately when you saw this uh, headline was does this mean they're going to try and trade otani because you would think that if you're looking to keep otani why even why go through arbitration you should you would sign another contract full length deal Um, and I think this goes into uh, episode 35.A. You guys don't know about that. It's a conversation about Arte Moreno looking to uh, potentially sell the team. Maybe he doesn't want to commit anything to that for uh, reasons that he wouldn't be able to sell the team if 
there was a long-term deal with Otani. That's a lot of debt that an owner would have to take on, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I just can't see a world where it makes sense to not offer Otani the big money to have him as your uh, franchise player. Uh, even more than, than Trout, it doesn't make more sense because Otani, I, I have to say, he puts butts in the seats. Otani is two players. He, Leg- is. he is two players um, for the price of one. Mm-hmm. So that price of one has to be, you know... Quite significant. Quite significant. Um, I wonder if they offered him that deal and he didn't take it. Um, because are the we have we do this every year? All are, are the Angels poised to be competitive next year? And, which last year we said yes, or at and least I said does. Otani want to stay with the Angels? Yes, that's the general, other exactly right. I mean, does Otani have interest to be there? Because um, he can see the writing on the for wall a long I'm time. Sure. How when does how many more years does Trout have? So he has twelve years. <laughs> oh, sorry no 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 he in 2019 he signed a 12 year contract so he's there for so he's quite there some for time. A long time um and for the rest of his career let's be completely honest and with his injury history i don't know what the back end of his career is going to look like that's true mike trout might go down as another ken griffey what could have been situation where people talk about uh how ken griffey might have been had more home runs than bonds if he kept going he probably wouldn't have but uh I mean, definitely was going on for 700 home runs in his career, and obviously that got derailed by injury, which we don't need to talk too much, and, and it could happen for Trout as well. Um, but I just, I don't want to see Otani in another uniform, personally. I like to see him in, on, on the Angels. The Angels are the only team that really offered him the ability to be a two-way player and made it work. Uh, but maybe, I don't know, maybe he was a, quite the fan of Joe Madden. Now Joe Madden's not there and well yeah exactly you have to wonder how that organizational shakeup whether phil nevin is going to stick around um going forward or if they get well they, if they get they new hire... ownership which if they get new ownership i feel like they're going to do an entire clean sweep wouldn't you think they would because of I, the I, unsuccessfulness? I think that they should um i would yeah i i think that's a good idea at least a new front office um the other thing is, is there's not a lot of coaches on the market right now um, that I can think of that would be good to bring to Anaheim in terms of people that have coaching experience in the majors. Not that I can think of. That's a whole other conversation. Um, but really, the the question is, is what is Shohei thinking right now? And what... Is this, what is this Angels front office thinking right now? Is this just something to kick the can down the road so when they're fired, another uh, front office has to deal with it when the new owners install their new front office and they have to deal with Shohei? Or do they have a legitimate plan in either you know, trying to sign another contract after this one ends? I don't know how the hell that's going to work. Or which I think is more likely is they flip him at the deadline and get at the deadline next year and get a ton of prospects. Initially, yeah, I, I mean, thought it's going to have to be a Juan Soto type deal. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, but it's going to bring in, and especially if you are getting a new front office that's committing to a rebuild, which the angels have never really rebuilt. Um, 
or at least committed to a rebuild. Do they even have, I don't know if they have, like, it's such a weird thing to me because I know they have quite the payroll locked up. Um, It would be really interesting if they went into full rebuild mode. Uh, And I don't know if it would be successful, to be honest, especially while they still have Trout around. I feel bad a little bit for Trout, but he did sign that deal. Oh, a little bit for Trout? (laughs) I feel bad for... For trout, for show, for all of them. I can't feel too bad for a guy who's getting paid that money. You know, that's that's fair. It's a little difficult. That's fair. I think trout. I think trout likes it in. Well, he had to like it enough. To, he had to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, sign. To, to sign for twelve. Hey, plus, years. you know, I'm sure he's a family guy. You know, and yeah. having them having his whole setup there is probably a quite yeah, the sure. inspir. You know, why he wanted to be like that. He doesn't seem like a person that would want that much change. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I thought that they were going to flip shohei this year in the off season oh but now that this contract is signed no i don't think, I yeah, think definitely it's, not they de- definitely not they wouldn't even have looked at it yeah they would have just offered the arbitration and i'm sure i don't know how much more money arbitration might have given shohei otani um but i don't think it would have been a deciding factor yeah. whether or not another team would have wanted to take on um, i genuinely genuinely this team there's so many different factors so many different things going on with the Angels right now, both on the field and off the field, that it's so hard to see what they do, even in the off season. Not even talking about like two, three years down the road. And I think this that that absolutely you know transitions into our next one of our topics, and what will be our next topic is the Angels are known for making long term deals to MLB veterans, right? Or franchise players that they franchise players to be really, um, whether or not they've worked or not has been. Uh, well, I mean, one of them, Mike Trout. I mean, Mike Trout worked. That's one in what hundreds of contracts. That, too too many. <laughs> too too many contracts that did not end up well. But hey, this Anthony Rendon kid's a real up and comer. Yeah, definitely. He's got some injury issues, but uh, I think when you look past that, I mean, he's a switch hitter. He had one at-bat from the left side. He had a home run, so uh, I think he's pretty good. But what is happening in baseball right now, I think, is a lot of teams are locking up their franchise players when they are young, when they're prospects, when they're Mm -hmm. up-and-comers, like the... um, like the Atlanta Braves and like Seattle Mariners, those are my two biggest. Mm-hmm. Um, or in like the Padres, those, I feel like those are three very key organizations that have been trying to get um, the Padres with who Tatis. Yes, Tatis yeah. signing uh, Machado on a long term deal as well. Mm-hmm. Their pitchers are kind of locked up as you know too in that kind of way, and we'll see what they do with uh, Juan Soto. Uh, that is yet to be determined, but. Um, Juan Soto also not helping his chances getting a bigger contract. He's been kind of struggling out there in San Diego, but you know maybe that's just some growing pains, right? Uh, you can't, yeah. you know, it's hard. I can imagine to to have change to change scenery, everything. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of expectations on a player like that when you come into an organization uh, that has given up so much to acquire you. I'm sure a lot on his shoulders, but we don't need to exactly get into that. But Eric Hosmer is laughing. Yeah, he's laughing while he's injured for the Red Sox. Yeah, I'm sure he's laughing. You know who's laughing? I'm laughing because it's quite humorous to me. Um, but <laughs> but this begs the question, though. You know, 
a lot of these players are signing such long contracts so to early. their teams. So early in their career. I mean, I believe Julio Rodriguez's contract has the potential to become a 17-year deal. 17 years. I mean, How that's old is he, 21? Insane. That's crazy. Look it up. He's, he's, it's an absolute insane contract. Um, some organizations do it right. Some organizations yep. don't. But do you believe that there should be a contract limit? And also, piggybacking off of that, these prices that we're seeing on these players, I mean, contracts only going up and up. It's aligning with uh, viewership for the sport, as they say all the time, and how much revenue they're bringing in. But I mean, at what point... Are we going to, do you think we're going to see contracts starting to go down? Are they ever going to go down again? Well, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't see this being something that lasts forever because it's something, even in other professional sports, you know, terms of contracts, length, years, AAV, all that is stuff that shifts depending on mistakes that people have made. Um, and I think once not all of these contracts are going to turn out to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think eventually people will start to get wary of offering, you know, nine, 10, 11 year deals to um, young and up and coming players because it is a big gamble. Um, not only are you committing this much money to a player in perpetuity, you're also committing. Um, you're limiting your options for other play you're you have married yourself to that for better or worse um it's a massive gamble no i it's think a massive i think gamble. that's just the way that we should phrase and i don't it. i don't know you mentioned like contract should there be contract limits set um, certain i think it would be years what i would be discussing like sh- you should a contract really you know be over 12 years maybe i mean i don't know where you'd set the limit is another conversation with it but i mean i think it's getting quite ridiculous don't you it oh it's it's certainly yeah it's it's stuff that we never even would have imagined but when you think about it from the perspective of organizations that are that have completely bought in in the vision of some of these players like j-rod um I understand the gamble, and I think I, I don't know why there would be contract limits set because I think both sides on both sides of the contract have the potential to benefit, and both sides have the potential to um, get screwed. Do you think that um, going back and kind of circling back our conversations? Uh, under one massive theme, do you think Judge entering free agency um, is going to become the most played, ba- most paid baseball uh, player in its history? Do you think he's going to get a contract like that? Um, yeah, I think it's very likely because he already wanted to. the The contract that he was trying to get was already one of the highest in in, or the contract the Yankees were trying to sign him to. Excuse me, was already one of the highest in baseball. So I think it's very possible that he becomes the highest paid player in baseball history. Um, I think Aaron Judge is a fantastic player. Whatever anybody pays for him, this offseason will be an overpay. I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, and that's why, you know, a lot of talks, I don't know, Red Sox community is quite 
weird sometimes. A lot of Red Sox players were like, <laughs> or fans were like, oh, we're going to sign Judge. And it's I'm a like, bad idea. How, first off, how do you think we're going to sign Judge if we can't even keep Bogarts, <laughs> Devers, uh, but that's what, that's what people are saying is that, you know, if they let Bogarts walk, if, if JD's know, off the if books, JD's, if, if people are off, off the, books, the books, then they can afford to get Judge, which, again, I don't think is happening. But would a Red Sox player, what is that a good trade from the perspective of a Red Sox fan? I mean, I don't think so. And I, I think so for the same reason of, Anything you pay for Judge is going to be an overpay because I don't think he has longevity in this sport. I think, I mean, first off, I was going to say like, oh, he's, he's peaking right now. Obviously, he's peaking right now. Yes, he's you not don't. Gonna, yeah, he's, he's not going to have another sixty-two home run season. He could. He he could. I don't. I don't buy it personally. If he was hitting in Fenway, I mean, actually, he'd have a much better chance being a right-handed hitter, sure. abusing the monster a lot, probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I feel like his statistics at Fenway. I've shown that, but <laughs> um, I just don't think that anything, it's going to be long-term, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to hurt somebody down the line. And I don't want to be the team organization that's going to get hurt by this, even if it makes me happy for two years, which it won't make me happy because I don't want to, I've made a living off of just not hating Judge because there's nothing that he's ever done wrong to me, but just I obviously have a distaste for Yankee players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's very few Yankee players that I would have in my, you know, want to see cross that border. And uh, But ju- out of all of them, I feel like Judge would be the one that you would be like, okay, I'll make an exception. Well, Because Judge, that, is a, he's a very likable player and out, uh, in a, on a personal level. And it's a lot of the Red Sox community has already accepted him. Which is, <laughs> it's crazy to me that they could have so much confidence. Uh, I think this is a whole other conversation. But going back to what we've been discussing, um, contract prices, I think Otani will get a bigger contract than Aaron Judge. And I don't also don't think Otani is going to be able to play both sides forever. Sure, yeah. But I think regardless of whether he's a two-way player three, four, five years down the stretch, he's still going to be, he, he, barring some freak injury, he's still going to be, you know, a, a 20, 30 home run a year player. And he's going to be a franchise player wherever he goes, just like Judge. Yes. Teams are locking up their franchise players. The Red Sox aren't. But one team that has done <laughs> so well at doing this is the Atlanta Braves organization. Yes. And I think they deserve to be highlighted in this conversation. Uh, getting Albies, Acuna on some very, very very good deals. Olsen, he's on a pretty good deal. Uh, he's like the second most paid first baseman right now. But I mean, looking at it, it could be really prosperous for them. Which the Braves, I tell you what, the Braves won that Freddie Freeman situ- fiasco. Um, I... I would have to agree on the field, but I would say in the fans' hearts, they definitely lost. Oh, sure. Uh, well, that's that's what I'm saying is, is yes, it hurts. It, it's and then Freddie it's Freeman, very, very painful. Freddie Freeman returned to Atlanta and was just like, man, want to go back home? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Are you kidding me? You signed this long deal. With I have, the, yeah, I have no sympathy for Freddie Freeman at all. Um, I mean, I don't know about about that exactly no I think well he was because done a little dirty by the organization sure because, but. 
No, if you if you look into some of the, I I think it really is on not him but his negotiating team. Um, they played hardball. You should have played. Think. You should have just went with his heart. Honestly, I think yeah. And it I seemed think he like there was a lot of. You're right. It seemed like there's a lot of people that were in his ears chirping at him. Like, yes, absolutely. What are you doing? I think if I you think can get if, paid more. If he, I think he wanted to stay in Atlanta, but he he wasn't. This is immaterial. Um, because my my point is is that regardless of the heartache that Braves fans have gone through, I think they're better set up for the future, having Olson locked in at what like six years. Um, because Olson is Matt Olson's in the prime of his career. Freddie Freeman is still in his prime, but he's at arguably the tail end of the prime of his career. And that doesn't even go past what they've done this season. This season, they signed Austin Riley. Right. Locked down the, their third base option, slash DH eventually, on a 10-year deal worth $212 million with an average twenty-one uh, average AAV of uh, $21 million. That's going to be going on until 2034. Michael Harris, 2033. They signed him on an eight-year, $72 million deal, $9 million per year, which is, I think, a great deal for them. If Michael Harris is their, I mean, he's going to be their go-to center fielder. He's got good defense, got good offense, and um, he can be a perennial center fielder for them. I don't know whether or not it's going to happen, um, but they locked him down. Uh, they traded for Rasiel Iglesias, uh, which he's on a four-year deal, so they have a they have two closers, Kindly Jansen, which has been kind of poor for them. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out exactly, and Iglesias. Um, and one of the things that I think is so important is that Albies is still going to be there till 2028. Acuna is still going to be there till 2029, right? Right. This organization is and this front compete. office knows how to lock down at least their offensive players. Because all the yes. names that we mentioned, besides yeah. the one closer are not pitchers. And maybe right. that's just how they like to be. They locked down, I mean, this isn't a long-term deal, Charlie Morton just, I think, yesterday, to a one-year deal. So I, I guess if if you want to fault anything, um, is that they haven't paid more attention to the pitching side. Um, but if we're talking about long-term contracts, the Braves really are the model to emulate for any team that can, because obviously not every team can be handing out 30, 40. They're able to get deals... For the cheap, because they sign their young players on extended deals, uh, avoiding arbitration each yes. time, uh, which is why these young players are signing these deals, is because they can get paid two years earlier than when they were supposed to hit arbitration. Uh, so they want to get And on you that. have players buying in to the idea of the team as a whole rather than their own contract. And then fans get to buy in because exactly, they get and to. fans get to buy in. Because this whole, when, uh, when you're looking at a player who's deciding whether he wants to sign long-term with this team, it's so much more likely to, even if, you know, it's a it's a bad contract, he's much more likely to do it if he knows that the team is poised to compete for the next decade, which the Braves are. Um, and again, not every team, like small market teams aren't able to do that, for example. Small market teams can offer one, maybe two long-term contracts um, to young uh, up-and-coming players but the Braves have really taken all the resources that they have and and they have a very very bright future and and the Braves you know they've done such an amazing job and that that front office deserves all the credit uh, but I think the organization that has the best chance the two organizations that has the best chance to 
emulate this and has the best chance to start now is is the Mariners and the Blue Jays. Two teams that I believe are filled with young talent that Blue Jays are a little bit in the stage where the players are getting a little older. So those deals are going to be a lot more lucrative. Um, but the Mariners are definitely trying to lock down some of their key players. Like we mentioned, J-Rod on a deal until 2035. Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo, they're going for pitchers now. Uh, and they're getting their aces locked up for a, good, a considerable amount of years. I mean, not... 10 years, which is five is a good time for a pitcher because I feel like sometimes yes, exactly. you can't give can a pitcher a, drop off. a 10 year contract. Unless his because, name is Garrett Cole. Yeah. Unless his name is Steven Strasburg. Oh, <laughs> shout out Colin Kapoor. <laughs> um, yeah. No, you're right. The the Mariners definitely have, I'm looking at the, the contracts right now. They definitely have a lot of those young players either signed long term for five six seven years at least or they're still the Making rest them. are the rest are still arbitration eligible so they have time to so do those i think contracts. the next thing that they should do is logan gilbert they need to get him on a cheap deal uh and now have a a locked in three-headed dragon right you know, that they're gonna have to have in their rotation yeah. consistently i don't think about jared kalenic i think that they should wait a little longer on him. In fact, they offered Jared Kalanick a deal uh, for long term, and he's betting on himself. So, which I think, you know, it, based actually, on his performance, I think it's it's good actually, so far that they haven't locked themselves. Yeah, definitely. He was on for some crazy contract, um, but he's not gonna. <laughs> he's not. I he's not gonna get that contract offer again. I don't. No, know. maybe not. But we'll see. We'll see about it. Um, and then, Ty France is somebody that they. I mean, he still has three more years till uh, three more years of arbitration, but uh, you know, give him a five-year contract. He's twenty-seven, so he's not that young, but five-year contract. Yeah, he, and and Mitch. Solid. I think one thing that's going to help is Matt Boyd and Mitch Haniger, Carlos Santana, Adam Frazier, all players that are pretty. They're they're quite important to the Seattle Mariners, uh, but that totals out to be around um, over twenty million dollars in salary that are going to come off the book. So 20 million free allows you to start playing around with the current players. And I think they have a system that supports definitely they don't need to go out and buy some great free agents. I mean, they could, but mm-hmm. they don't need to right now. They just made the postseason, which is massive for the podcast. I'm sure we'll have a graphic maybe out with it. Uh, but the Mariners <laughs> are broke their 21-year playoff drought on a Cal rally walk-off home run. It was quite, incredible. It was quite spectacular. Uh, I know our friend of the podcast, uh, Henry Neiman, was, uh, quote, lying on the ground for <laughs> at least 10 minutes. Um, so couldn't believe it running around his, uh, his room. And I'm excited to see what the Mariners do in the postseason. We'll get to that when we eventually do our postseason predictions and um, preview episode. But on the conversation of contracts, once again, I believe that the Mariners are in a good place. The Mariners have a lot going on, and and they've made some great moves ever since uh, they had the controversy of uh, that Rotary Club, where their <laughs> their their chief of baseball operations was on there. No, why ex- do I, do I not know about explaining this? about how much uh, of a bad person he was, and then he resigned. It seemed like things have been going in the right direction. Oh, um, yeah, Jerry Depoto. Speaking, of, we were talking about the Angels. 
Jerry Depoto was a guy who um, couldn't make it work in, in Anaheim because of, you know, you can say because of, of the environment, because of his own, the ownership, whatever. But he seems to have really found his groove so far in Seattle. Definitely. And, of course, once again, Mariners, with all their acquisitions that they've gotten, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez. Um, Suarez has had a great Not much so Winker, far. but he, they got Winker. Yeah. <laughs> He's not great, but um, there's, a <laughs> limo, there's been probably. a lot of parts, a lot of moving parts to this team um, in the past two seasons with bringing up prospects and really loading up right on their weapons to try to make that history-breaking um push and once they, they find themselves in the playoffs for the first time since 2001 and uh we'll see whether or not they actually have a chance in this year i know that once again our friend henry Newman he said that they could go lose the next two games and he'd still be um extremely happy about their season and about the how the mariners have performed and uh, i think a lot of mariners fans are feeling this euphoric feeling that they mm. haven't had and in, in for some people like like people our age, they haven't even Ever, seen yeah. the Mariners in the postseason. Yeah. So uh, it's quite spectacular, and I'm excited to see what they can do. So do we want to talk about, now that the Mariners are in the postseason, we want to talk about the next longest postseason drought, which is um, may continue depending on this National League East wildcard race. Really? I didn't know that they were the longest, the next longest drought. They are. They are. I mean, uh, 11 years, I think. Um and they were poised to break that uh, until very recently um, because now Milwaukee is half a game behind Philadelphia, behind the Phillies, for the third wild card spot in the National League. Um, and Which I can't believe Milwaukee—I mean, I guess I can, but Milwaukee being in this situation uh, was not on the cards for me when I looked at the season. What do you mean? You think Milwaukee wasn't a playoff team? or I thought or they thought... were going to win the division. Oh, they were going to sure. win the Central. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, Milwaukee is, has, I think, underperformed in my eyes as well. Well, they just don't Cause, have offense. Because they, they really don't. They have, I mean, they have a couple of players that have... Willie Adamas? They have Willie Adamas, who's, who's done fantastic. Yelich is, is, I don't know, he's, he's certainly not the player that he, he once was. Um, but as, as, as underwhelming as Milwaukee has been, you know... Philadelphia has been a fiasco this year. Hey, I took a bet. I took a bet on them to make the wild card. Um, so, <laughs> it's, so far, so far, it's paid off. I know you were when I said that to you. You were like <laughs> out. Of, you were like telling me I'm out of my mind, and I was sort of out of my mind just because. I mean, I, they just are the worst defensive team. They don't have a bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said there's a few things that I like about them, and and here they are in the playoff push and. Um, They've got that half game advantage. Although I think they lost today, so I don't even know if that's still still true. At the time tied. of the podcast, they had in half a game yeah. advantage. Um, um, so they each have five games to play. So this could change wildly. Milwaukee has two against Miami, three against Arizona. Philadelphia has two against Washington and three against Houston. And uh, Dusty Baker came out and announced the rotations for that Houston series. And they're going to be facing McCullers, Verlander, and uh, Framber Valdez. Which is not the people that you want to face if if you're in the middle of a, a, a battle for that last wildcard spot. No, not, not what you want to face indeed. 
Uh, and definitely the Milwaukee has the upper hand in this conversation here. In terms of strength, um, ex- uh, strength of schedule at least, Milwaukee seems better positioned. But who knows? Philadelphia could sweep Houston and we'd all... It'd be crazy. And I then they get knocked out in the wild card there's round. A, there's a better chance of Milwaukee dropping games to Miami and Arizona than there is a chance of Philadelphia <laughs> sweeping. Unless... Unless it's anything could happen. Unless Houston takes their starters, not the pitching starters, of course. Um, they take like their offensive stars and rest them for the postseason, right? They could do something like that. They're in. They don't need. They don't need to push anything. They well, they don't. But then why would they? I agree, they could do that. But if they were going to rest, if they weren't going to push, why would they start? You know. They're three best I mean, starters. They could also already go. Get... They could also only go like four innings. That's true. They they Houston already has like a week rest anyways because they're the number one seed in the AL. So they right. have to wait for the wild card round. No, you make a good point. So, which is, might be another reason why they would put out their stars out there because right. If if they don't, then these players are going to see baseball for a bit, which has been a big controversy of why a lot of people didn't want to expand the playoffs. Is because well now these these teams are not playing baseball every day; they're going to get out of schedule. So we'll see how that affects them maybe in the postseason. But uh, I don't believe in that. Um, but yeah, the Phillies are are looking to make their their way into the postseason, break out uh, a drought, but. The only reason, well, there's a there's a lot of reasons why they're not at the top of the National League East, but um, that entire division is the the biggest conversation in the National League. Oh, absolutely. Which is the Mets versus the Braves uh, for the the shot at having the best record in the National League East. Yeah, and not being a wild card team, um, because I mean, obviously they're both going to make the playoffs, but they're tied right now at ninety eight fifty nine. They've both got five to play. Um, and they have this series right now that's going to do so much in determining which team not only is wins the National League East, but which team you know has to play an extra round, or conversely has to wait a week for that wild card round to play out. Um, so the Braves took last night's game. They have the two more games to play. Um, Assuming that because of the changes that they made to the postseason, there's no game 163 for tiebreakers anymore. So it's whichever team has the season series. If the, Even if they have identical records at the end of the season, if the Mets win one of these next game, one of these next two games against the Braves, uh, they will be NL East champions. Just because of that, there's no game 163 rule. Um, it's just based off the season series. So if the Mets win at least one of these games, they will have taken the season series against the Braves. And this is only assuming that they're tied, you know. Um, but, which is very possible which is when very you look possible. at the back end of both of these teams' schedules. It's must-win games and yeah. against opponents that you could say are must-win games. <laughs> yes. Um, it's So the Mets have three against the Nationals. The Braves have three against Miami. I mean, they're both interdivisional. Miami, I would say, is the stronger team, so the Braves are a little disadvantaged there. But really, these teams need to win every game that they have in front of them. Exactly. 
Um, which you could say is the case the entirety of the MLB season. Uh, I'm still waiting for the 162 undefeated season. You know, I think uh, the Red Sox have a good chance at it next year. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but of course, you know, it's, it's, it's pivotal. Each game is pivotal, and that's what September is kind of all about. Mm-hmm. Um, because whichever team is the wild card has to play um, San Diego. You know, and obviously they'll they'll play San Diego at home, but that's not a a laughing matter. Like that's a that's a team. Well, that's... if things work out, it might not be San Diego. They have only they have a a one and a half game true yeah advantage it, over the Phillies. Stuff could change and there as for well. the Brewers. So you know that could get mixed up. But I cannot imagine that the it would have to be. Which I guess we're talking about San Diego. So an epic they can collapse is, I mean is not out of the the picture. Um, but the way it's set up right now, they would be whoever takes the wild card would have to play San Diego at home, um, which is you know two games can go either way. So and well, unfortunately for San Diego, their best player had uh, ringworm, so, <laughs> so he'll not be. He there. won't be there. But um, <laughs> I think that does it for this episode of the Two Scene Podcast. We have had a, a really good discussion. I feel about uh Aaron Judge and uh well it's not something I really like to say but uh, we did have a good discussion about it and uh, I hope you guys enjoy what we had to say and if you guys ever um want to contact us and or dispute our opinions you can find us and tweet at us uh for me that is at Tyler underscore underscore Foy and Camilo uh you can find me at Fonseca underscore ESQ and we thank you for listening to this episode of the Two Scene Podcast. And we'll catch you guys again once the season finishes and we'll be able to give you guys the rundown on the postseason. <laughs>